Greetings, friends and brethren. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. If you have been listening over the last couple of weeks, you know that we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. And of course, we're going to do the entire book of 1 Corinthians. So it's going to take us a while to get through it. But sometimes I kind of like to do that. I like to just take a book of the Bible and just kind of tear it apart and uh, see what's there. Of course, I think I mentioned at the very beginning, the reason I was so drawn to 1 Corinthians is because the people of Corinth are much like the people in the United States today. There was corruption. There was They were deplorable. They were sinful. Um, there wasn't probably anything of the flesh or sin that they didn't do in Corinth. And of course, they were exceedingly wealthy. And uh, sometimes that just adds, you know, to... Um, doing some pretty crazy things that are not in line with the word of God. But anyway, these people were a tough group for Paul. I can tell you that. Um, I think they really tested his patience and tested his um, love. Uh, but, you know, he, he really loved the people of Corinth, the church of Corinth, that he planted there. And what a place to pick to plant a church. But... We have so much to learn from the book of 1 Corinthians. I, it's just, it's a great book. And today we're going to be doing chapter 2. It's a short chapter, but it is power-packed. It's full of yummies and full of real pearls that Paul has written about under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So um, I'm going to be reading initially. I'm going to read chapter 2 to you from the New King James Version. Then I'm going to go back and we're going to look at the Amplified version because there's a couple things in the Amplified that I really, really like. Um, so anyway, let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you for your glorious, powerful, life-changing word. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us what we need to know, how we need to live for your word is our standard. Father, thank you for this listening audience. Thank you, Father, for helping them to grow and mature as the church of Jesus Christ. So I bless them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bible open to the book, of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm reading out of the New King James first, so you can follow along with me. Paul writes, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, I, I think I'm just going to stop right there first because 
there's so much here and I want to read the Amplified now. I think if I get too far, uh, we may lose uh, a few important uh, gems and jewels that I want to share. So let's look at it from the Amplified version. As for myself, Paul writes, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony and evidence or mystery and secret of God concerning what he has done through Christ for the salvation of men in lofty words of eloquence or human philosophy and wisdom. For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah crucified. And I was in passed into a state of weakness and fear, dread, and great trembling after I had come among you. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, a proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. If I were to uh, pick a title for this message, now, of course, we're talking about once upon a time, the book of 1 Corinthians, but this chapter in particular is a chapter in contrast. And Paul is doing an exceptional job of contrasting things, things of the world and things of the spirit. And he makes it very, very clear right from the get-go, and he kind of even repeats it, and he puts a different slant. But here's his point in the very beginning of chapter 2. He's saying, look, I didn't come to you with lofty, high words of incredible eloquence of speech or human philosophy and human wisdom and I didn't come to tell you about the things of Christ by that method. He says, because I resolved, I determined to know nothing. And in the Amplified, he said, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing. I didn't come here to show you how smart I am, how persuasive I am in my speech, how terribly gifted and talented I am at speaking. He says, and to be conscious of nothing. In other words, there was nothing on Paul's mind. He didn't have, he wasn't double-minded. He had one focus, Jesus Christ and him crucified, period, end of subject. And he says, look, you know, I, I came into this, uh, you know, I was in weakness and fear and dread and great trembling after I had come among you. But look, my language and my message, I didn't, I didn't uh, couch it in enticing, uh, persuasive language. I didn't do that, Paul said. No. You know, I didn't set out, in other words, He's trying to tell us the motive of his heart. 
And I think that really gets to the point of this. It's the motive of his heart. His motive was not to show off. His motive was not so that you, all the people in Corinth would think, my goodness, did you hear that Paul, he's such an eloquent speaker. See, that wasn't his motive. That wasn't his plan at all. He said, I'm just coming to preach Christ and him crucified. And I'm not coming to know of anything. Now, think about this. Paul was so smart. Literally, he was so smart that his teacher Gamaliel said of him, he was one of the greatest teachers. So Paul is no, um, you know, he's no flunky. This guy is one smart dude. But what he's saying to us is, I didn't come with my smarts, see? I didn't come to display a knowledge of anything, nothing, just Christ crucified. See, he's talking about the power of the cross. Now, we just celebrated Passover, Resurrection, Sunday. And he's saying, I I didn't come with all those motives. I didn't come with any of that. I'm just coming to put forth a message in the wisdom and demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, dunamis power. And the Amplified says a proof by the Spirit and power of God operating on me, Paul says, and stirring in the minds of the hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. So, Who exactly did persuade the hearers, Paul's audience? Who persuaded them? Paul says, I didn't persuade you because I didn't come with eloquent speech and I didn't come to try to do that. But the Holy Spirit, the power, see, it was the demonstration of power and the wisdom of God that drew people to listen to Paul that actually changed their emotions and stirred them to want to desire Christ had nothing to do with Paul, absolutely nothing to do with Paul. And so he takes these first four scriptures and he makes it very, 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 very clear. I don't think he could have made it more clear to tell this group of people, look, I just come in demonstration of the spirit and power, period. And guess what? I've got proof of it. What was Paul's proof? Well, people got saved. People got radically changed for the gospel. People got healed. The dead were raised. Remember the man that fell out of the window? Because Paul was preaching so (laughs) Paul was a preacher and he could preach for hours. And the man fell asleep and fell out of the window, hit the ground and died. Paul had to go resurrect him. So when Paul says, I had to demonstrate the power of God and the and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Now, I think Paul. uh, You know. Of any of the writers 
uh, in the New Testament. Paul probably, you know, he really knows how to get a point across. And if you didn't get it the first time, he'll give it to you the second time. If you didn't get it the second time, he'll give it to you the third time. If you didn't get it by then, he'll even give it to you a fourth time. So he really piles it on so that the people of Corinth, the church at Corinth, could clearly understand that everything he's saying is not to persuade them, not to entice them, but God. Only the Holy Spirit was doing the persuading, not Paul. Okay, verse 5, back to the New King James. Paul says, um, oh, daggone it, I should have included verse 5 here, because he, let's reread verse 4. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? Verse 5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I kind of said that, but Paul's just making sure that it's obvious that all that he's going to preach, all that he's going to teach, he didn't do it so that you would have faith in Paul or you would think that Paul has power, but your faith should be in God and in the power of God. Never, ever putting your faith in the wisdom of men. And, you know, I, I do want to say one thing. Oftentimes, uh, we hear a great preacher, whether it's on television or in person in the pulpit, um, and we begin to put, and it's, it's easy to do, we begin to put our faith in that person. We begin to put our faith in that pastor or that preacher. And that is a giant mistake. Because our faith should never be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And, and so Paul's just, again, making that very clear. So verse 6, he says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, For had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. 
But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have, very important scripture there, verse 16, but we have the mind of Christ. All right, let's go back to starting with verse 6. Here's the contrast again. Paul says, we're speaking wisdom among those of you who are mature in the Lord. We're not speaking the wisdom of this age. We're not speaking of the wisdom of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So let me put it like this. We often look to our government leaders to bring wisdom or to share important information about us as American citizens, okay? But Paul says that when he speaks, the wisdom that he's speaking is not the wisdom of rulers. It's not the wisdom of Congress or the wisdom of the president or our senators our legislature. It's not that at all. He says, um, or the wisdom of this age, because, you know, as, you know, what we know now, we didn't know 40 years ago. So the age, this time frame that we're living in, even though we, we know things now that we didn't know then, always just saying, It doesn't matter. The wisdom of this age and the wisdom of the rulers of this age, they're coming to nothing, okay? So it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what the Speaker of the House says. It doesn't matter what any of these lofty politicians say. They are coming. It is all coming to nothing. Paul makes that point. And it's an important point that we have to remember because we're living in a time where political ideas and political factions seem to be very relevant today. And Paul just says, look, we're speaking the wisdom of God. He, he goes on to say, he says, um, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And this wisdom was hidden. It was hidden because God ordained it to be hidden before the ages for our glory. God hid that wisdom until that time. And here's what he says. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. I, I, you see, that is such an encouraging scripture because you and I, our eyes in the natural haven't seen And our ears in the natural haven't heard. And it hasn't even entered into our heart the things that God has prepared for us. Because we love him, he has so much more, greater than we can think, than we can ask, than we can see, and we can hear. That's pretty phenomenal. I love that scripture. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for you. 
You don't even know what things are in there yet. You know, next week, it could be like, whoa. And all of a sudden, God reveals something new and wild for you. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And that's how we get revelation. We get revelation through the Holy Spirit. It says, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Obviously, the Holy Spirit being the third person of the Godhead knows the things of God because he's part of the Godhead. So he's always searching the deep things of God. And that's why when we commune with the Holy Spirit, we are communing with Jesus. We're communing with God the Father. We're communing with the things of the spirit realm. Um, and he says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. And that's actually referring to like words of wisdom, words of knowledge. So if I meet an individual and I may know them, I may not know them at all. But I know them, I can know them by the spirit. I know what spirit is operating in them. Because my spirit is either bearing witness with their spirit because they are a believer or my spirit is discerning things about that individual that, um, you know, maybe are not so good. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Bottom line is this. We can't know all things. You know, the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part. We don't know all things. We are not God. Our ways are not God's. Our thoughts are not God's. His ways are higher, higher, higher. So we know a little bit. So even so, no one knows the things of God except the Holy Spirit. Paul says, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. Here's the contrast again. We haven't received the spirit of the world, the flesh, that which is carnal. That isn't what God gave us. When we became children of God, we got the Holy Spirit. We got the spirit of God. That we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. How do you know those things? You read God's word and he reveals it to you. Paul says the things we speak, they're not they're not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. You know, you think about this for a minute. You look at Peter. You look at Andrew. You look at John and James. These men were uneducated. They were simply fishermen, period. How? How do these men turn the world upside down? How can they actually write a book in the Bible? Because they were living by the Spirit, hearing the Holy Spirit, and they weren't living by the natural man, and they weren't receiving the things of the world, but they were receiving the things of the Spirit of God who knows all things. God knows all things. So when we fine-tune our spirit to his spirit, guess what? We can know things too. Are we ever going to know all things? No, because he's God. But we can know what we need to know. 
Paul says the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolish to him. That's right. So if you're talking to a non-believer and you ask him to receive sometimes the things of the Spirit, you, they're just they're looking at you cross-eyed like they're foolishness to him. That person cannot understand why because they're not born of the Spirit. They're not a child of God. If they're a child of God, they're born of the Spirit. So they can understand what you're talking about. But if you begin talking all this stuff and scripture to a person who's not a Christian, it's like gobbledygook to them. I mean, it's foolishness. They don't understand. Why? Paul says because it's spiritually discerned. In other words, it's spiritually understood by the person of the spirit. Spiritual things with spiritual things. It just makes sense. Um, I know there have been times when I've tried to talk to people about things of the, of the, uh, scriptures, things of the Bible. And, um, you know, they just look at you, you know, with like a deer in the headlights. I mean, they're glassy eyed. They don't, they, they cannot comprehend what you're saying because the things of the spirit are discerned spiritually, period. If you are not a believer in Christ and you have, been, have not been born again, well, go ahead and pick up the Bible, but it'll be foreign to you. It won't make, uh, you can read it. You can read through the whole Bible and never know God, but you will never have revelation of what God's trying to say because it's your flesh, your carnal person trying to discern things of the spirit and it. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That's the question Paul says. Ha! But we have the mind of Christ. And so we can't instruct the Lord because he's the Lord. He knows all things. We can't know his mind to instruct the Lord. No, we take our instruction from the Lord. But we do have the mind of Christ, and Paul makes that point. So he asks that question to kind of, like, get your attention, but he's, he's saying, but, hello, we have the mind of Christ. So we can think spiritual things, we can think on spiritual things, we can read God's word, and spiritually discern what it's saying because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I hope that makes sense. I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty simple. Um, Now, next week, we're going to start into chapter 3. We're going to just dig in and go through this whole book of 1 Corinthians. I love it. It's just, it's so rich. It's just full of jewels and gems. So, I hope... um, I hope you enjoyed that, and I really look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. And once again, I thank all those who pray for this ministry and those who sow financially into this ministry. You can write me at Pure Heart Ministries. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 
26060, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I am grateful for um, those of you who do support this ministry, and I'm greatly, greatly appreciative. So I look forward to being with you next week. And with that, I end by saying shalom, shalom, peace be unto you.